You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. It's still pretty early in 2022, so I'll pose this question. What is the marketing question of the year? I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. In this episode of B2B Nation, we're talking to Eric Dates, Director of Growth Marketing at N Contracts, a SaaS vendor in the risk management and compliance space. Eric says the question of the year might just be around the idea of the dark funnel and dark social and how a marketing industry that's invested heavily in technology for attribution might have to live with the idea that they just can't see or measure everything no matter how hard they try. Eric and I also talked about maximizing your messaging when you're talking about complex topics like risk and compliance, the impact of LinkedIn and its community of marketers on B2B tech, and what Eric learned about marketing over the past two years. Have a listen. Eric Dates, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Thanks so much, Mike. Uh, yeah, my name is Eric Dates. I am the director of growth marketing over at End Contracts. Uh, we are a B2B SaaS company in the compliance and vendor management and risk and now lending compliance space for financial institutions and mortgage lenders. All right. So that, that area, risk management, compliance, it's complex stuff in a world where people like to consume information in like a social media post or in a 30 second video. What kind of challenge does that present for you guys when you're trying to talk about your value proposition and, and why people should look at your solution? Yeah. I mean, it, as weird as it is to think that people don't wake up in the morning, instantly start thinking about compliance and, and risk management. <laughs> you know, I think as we focus on our messaging and obviously to your point, you know, people are downloading stuff left and right, you know, scrolling, 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 looking for something that they can stop on for just a brief second. Uh, so we really try to, and again, I'm very new to this space past kind of year and a half ish. So we have to leverage our internal kind of SMEs and subject matter experts. And I call them the senseis, the ninjas, because they know so much about this space and it helps what we do that much more because our goal is clarifying, right? We have to make it as easy to understand as possible. So kind of when it comes to things like social, specifically LinkedIn, you know, we are, we are short, sweet to the point. Again, we are, we are really leveraging a single value proposition, uh, whether it's a headline on an image or on top of a podcast post, whatever it may be. But again, we're just trying to, similar to that dark funnel theme that's going on, that's kind of coined to refine labs, uh, it's ever prominent. You know, we, we really just have to, to maximize what we can to, to ensure that these folks are at least, when they're looking at it, understanding, okay, that's, that's in my world. I get that. I'm either going to circle back to that later. Or, hey, you know, this looks interesting. Let me click on that for a second and listen in. So it's really, really delicate and uh, it is, is full of just testing and figuring out what sticks. Yeah, we haven't talked about the dark funnel a whole lot on B2B Nation. And it's interesting to me because I feel like a lot of the dark funnel, dark social stuff is where vendors are going to run into a wall, right? There's those conversations that people have one-to-one -one on the privacy of their own text message between, you know, between me and you and the NSA reading the message. Right? <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen here? Looking at your crystal ball, is there is somebody going to come up with a technology that's going to help people understand what's going on in the dark funnel? Is it is it a matter of getting better at intent? You know, I think that's, that is the question of the year. I mean, right off the bat, everyone's asking it, right? Given the pandemic and 
the way everyone's had to pivot, you know, everyone's kind of heavily relying on this new idea of how to maximize your demand generation. And I think in terms of a tool, that's tough to look at, right? Because there's so many variables involved. And I think to answer your question, to me, the answer is an individual, a marketer, right? They are the answer to that problem and how they get things out in the marketplace. Now, in terms of tracking, and again, that's that's where it's that coin term of, of dark. We can't see what's going on. But in theory, you know, if you've got stuff out in the marketplace, you know, you should be tracking that inbound motion just to see, hey, is there an uptick in site traffic, for example? If I've got a post that's getting engaged with, you know, around this time frame in a 30-day, 60-day look back window, you know, hey, was this successful? Did we see folks coming from that? And again, to me, the biggest indicator that your dark social or your dark funnel is working is just that uptick in, in site traffic organically, you know, over the course of some time. Yeah, I think we've gotten so obsessed with like attribution and having to have an answer or an explanation for everything that's happened. Maybe sometimes you just have to say, hey, look, we're resonating with people and it's showing up in inbound. And that's as much as we're going to know. I mean, it's funny, too, because when you think about this idea of the dark funnel, it's almost stepping back in time. You know, it's almost back to the days of the billboards and the magazine ads and stuff that you couldn't track. Uh, but you knew that they were working because you're asking those questions, you know, that, that we can kind of replicate today on, on a form level. So it is kind of interesting and ironic how with all this technology that we have right now, the marketing approach is starting to replicate that 1950s, 1940s type marketing where you're just going to post something out there where a lot of people are. Again, it, it's a lot more strategic than that nowadays. But in a sense, it's like you, you've got it out there and you're hoping that that message is resonating with folks and you're justifying it by seeing that traffic come through. Right. And we got away from that because the famous line, I know I'm wasting half of my advertising budget. I just don't know which half. Um, and we wanted to be able, we wanted to answer that question, right? We wanted to be able to say, here's where we spent money. Here's what it did. Here's how it helped us grow. And a lot of people put a lot of money into analytics and I guess weren't as thrilled with their results as maybe they thought they were going to be. I mean, that hits on a really good point. And it's something that a lot of marketers I think are a little nervous to address is that how, how much can you trust your software? You know, how, how hard can you trust your tech stack? Is it hundred percent to make a decision? Is it 80%? Right. I think that level of confidence is something to be addressed and something that marketers just start to take into consideration when they are making decisions. I right, see so you, you mentioned the past two years, uh, a couple of minutes ago, at this point, the past years have pretty much been consumed by the COVID pandemic, which, we were talking before we hit record, changed everything overnight. And for a lot of things and a lot of people hasn't unchanged very much over the past two years. What do you think you've learned about B2B marketing in the past two years? And I mean, given the pandemic, the, the importance of, of LinkedIn, I would say is a huge learning, right? I think that channel was kind of, it, it was big, but I think it exploded in the past two years. You know, everyone started leaning on to where the people were all day, right? They're sitting at home now during the pandemic, got their phone on them. Because, um, you know, it's, I think that work from home means you're always working <laughs> no matter what. Now your home office is just all things work. So I think that was something that was interesting that your typical buying patterns aren't the same anymore, right? You could, you could see engagement with stuff at 10, 30, 11, 30 at night. Again, going back to that dark social kind of environment where people are just sitting down to start scrolling and learn. So I think a big thing that I've seen is and, and learned to hit on your point is to be willing to be adaptable 
you know, on the turn of a dime, right? I think as marketers, we come up with these grandiose campaigns where we want to get things in the water. You know, you spend a lot of time, whether it's kind of your typical building briefs out, getting buy-in from executives, or, hey, we've got to get stuff out because we got to see an uptick or, hey, board wants to see this. We got to hit this number and pipeline. And then all of a sudden a pandemic hits and shuts down your conference that you were heavily relying on going and get a bunch of leads from. So I think preparing for the worst wouldn't be, I guess, the best saying, but I do think just kind of expecting change would be something so you can plan for, hey, if this happens, right, how am I going to pivot to still be successful and still hit this group of people versus that, hey, I was got all my eggs in this basket. Now it's done. Holy crap. I got to hit, you know, get to the team have that fire drill meeting of, Hey, we got to get something out there. What is it? And, and while some things do come out of meetings like that, because I mean, that's some of the best marketing comes out of meetings like that. But I do think at least having that mentality of kind of a, a fallback plan, if, if something in, in your campaigns goes through, or, Hey, some, Hey, that podcast that I was going to be on, they canceled. How are we going to get this out there? So I just think prepping for adversity is probably the biggest thing that I've learned in B2B, but also just in general. Um, outside of kind of how people have started purchasing and researching and discovering businesses online more and more. Yeah, it was the pivot that nobody nobody was prepared for, but nobody had any experience with, right? You talked about, well, the podcast got canceled, right? That's That's happened before. Nobody ever said, what's our plan for when nobody ever goes back into the office for an extended period of time? Yeah. <laughs> right? And Someday we'll look back on this and be like, you know, I remember during COVID, we learned this or we learned that, right? We'll have to explain it to younger colleagues who don't remember. Also, too, I think the importance of leadership was just kind of, it showed all of its holes, right? When the pandemic hit, people started having to go back to their house, you know, maybe even move back to their house in a different state. And they're running a team, you know, of five, 10, 100 uh, digitally on a Zoom screen. And I think that really showed kind of the weaknesses of some leadership in businesses, but also showed people who were being very successful and they could adapt to that adversity. I think it really highlighted a lot of the leadership. And that was kind of something I saw across the board, at least in the marketing space from the B2B side, is there was no hiccup. I mean, everyone was just, boom, okay, let's let's do this thing. I've got this. I'm going to hop on Zoom. Because you know, as, as marketers, we're dealing with agencies in the past all the time on a Zoom call or, or, a, or a group call. Um, so it was kind of that familiarity. And for me, it was a cool moment to see the marketing leaders kind of rose up and, and really adapted and kind of enhance that leadership role uh, digitally. Because I, I know for me being tossed into this a little bit kind of baptism by fire with my current role now, uh, just full transparency there, you know, it, it was a test, right? It was a test of running teams that are across all different states and just trying to keep morale high, make sure you've got eyes on what's going on. But the, the beauty of that too, is you, you were able to give a lot more freedom to your team and empower some individuals to really shine and, and spread their wings. So it was a cool, cool moment to see um, who stepped up and, and who fell down. We talked about the move to analytics and maybe a bit of a move back away from analytics, how we don't have tools that can see into the dark funnel and the dark social corners of our world. What do you think has been the biggest advancement in B2B marketing in the past 10 years or so? Uh, outside of Zoom backgrounds, I would have to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say, I mean, the shiny moment for me is always the marketer itself, you know, as, as an individual, right? Because I think that is what's being adapted and, and, it, and that 
individual mentality of, hey, things are changing. I have to adapt. That's what dictates a successful tech stack. That's what makes tech work uh, is whoever's manning it and whoever's running, you know, kind of at the helm and steering the ship. So I would say a lot of what I've seen just in the past um, and, and looking forward is that the marketers have become so hyper competitive with each other in a really positive way, I would say. We're challenging each other for certain things, you know, the, the, the blanket statements that are out there, the generalized, hey, this color converts better than that color on CTAs. And people are like, well, I disagree because here's what I'm seeing on this stuff, that the other thing. And uh, we've kind of got this really highly engaged community of marketers. And I think, yes, technology is, is a big kind of asset to what has changed. And, and obviously it's ever growing. But to me, the marketing community, specifically on LinkedIn, and you know those Slack channels that are out there, that's what's grown the most. And that's what's really been enhancing the marketing that I've seen and experienced is, wow, people are, I mean, we've basically got a global group together where we're all challenging each other's thoughts and we're all offering best practices and giving each other testing ideas. And, hey, have you tried this? Or, hey, normally you'd approach it this way, but if you flip it on his head and do it this way, you'll see X, Y, Z. And that engagement on those posts of, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Or, hey, I tried that and I saw... 80% increase in lead generation. Um, I think that's really what drives kind of the innovation of marketing in general. Because I think previously it was kind of reactive to what tech is getting dropped into the market of like, oh my gosh, I remember when HubSpot hit and everyone freaked out because it's like, this is a better WordPress that a marketer can use and track everything uh, all in one place. And uh, I think now we're not necessarily as reactive to tech as we were you know, in the past probably 10 years. And now we're more reactive to each other and willing to kind of collaborate digitally through LinkedIn and other channels to really start maximizing and learning as much as we can around best practices. Do you think it's made marketers, all the tech, do you think it's made marketers more creative in a way? Like there's always been creative people in marketing. And then you had an influx of tech and data driven people that came in, I was telling somebody the other day, like I worked from home long before the pandemic. I'm like 10 years remote almost at this point. And the space to think is the thing that I was asked, what, what did I value most about the experience of that many years of not having to commute and not having so many in-person meetings? And I said, it's the space to think, to just roll my chair back and think out an idea. So has, it, has the tech picking up some of the day-to-day, some of the more mundane tasks, do you think it's given people more space to be creative? I would say yes. I mean, just flat out, absolutely. It's given more folks to your point, like engineers who are falling in or, hey, I was a CEO and now I'm in marketing and I can do a lot of the tasks that I didn't know how to do because of the technology, which lets me sit back and think. But I think the flip side of that coin is... CMOs and CEOs know how quickly you can do things, right? So I think the <laughs> the marketers had to, I mean, yes, they're getting more creative, but I think kind of part of the challenge and growth there is they've learned how to be creative quicker uh, because the expectation from top down is like, hey, we got to get stuff out and just constantly have things going. I mean, you, you know, probably better than most with content. Um, everyone's asking for it all the time and it's always changing or, hey, we got to update this or, hey, let's change a few words here because I didn't like how that read or, you know, just, it's always changing. And I think that opens up for creativity. But again, I think the one caveat is the expectation of turnaround time and speed. Yeah. 
some parts of this business are, are going to be hard to scale for the foreseeable future, right? And I think content creation, definitely one of them. And that's every piece of research you see that talks to content marketers, look at the annual content marketing institute surveys, scaling my content, scaling my content growth, having enough content to meet the needs of my demand gen folks or my brand folks, it's always there. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, and it goes back to how much content consumers and users are consuming. I mean, they're consuming at a rapid rate. They don't want to see the same thing every time they hop on too. So there's that expectation of the user and consumer of, hey, when I log back in or when I hop back on LinkedIn, I want to see something different. And if I don't, I'm going to scroll right past it. Yeah. And we like to talk to Mirror Technology Advice about the formats, the various formats. There are people who don't like a certain format of content. I'm not a webcast guy, I admit it, but that also changes based on where you are. It's really hard to read a PDF paper on a mobile device. So I probably won't do that if I'm on a mobile device where I do a lot of my LinkedIn. So uh, there's a lot of complexity there. So scaling that content creation means different formats because the format you originally chose just may not work for that person at that time. And, and going back to your point around marketer creativity, I think that's where technology has really stepped in and allowed for that creative mentality of, hey, but, you know, because I always view content as words, right? It's just words that is the meat and bones of what it is. And I think that where the marketer shines is how do I visualize these words for the receiver or the recipient? And, you know, technology like Happy Scribe, for example, you can upload a video and 10 seconds later have a full blown white paper written basically from the script that you're capturing. So I think that's where technology has really started to push the marketer to think more creatively around, hey, how can I take these words that the content team is working really hard on writing? And how can I repurpose those and visualize them in unique ways that hit multiple channels at the same time? Yeah, we like to preach starting with longer form video. Like you said, it's pretty easy to get a paper. It's pretty easy to edit into short form video. From there, it just goes. Your social content can flow from that. I think video is still kind of scary for people. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't, if video wasn't as popular, maybe when you got into the business, those are the people who I see can be a little bit reluctant around video. But I think younger folks in the space, they've always had a video camera in their pocket and they're not intimidated by video. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man. I mean, I swear you see 10 year old kids who are some of the greatest content marketers I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what are you most excited or curious about in the B2B marketing space over the next two years? We talked about the last two years. I mean, again, I'm looking forward to this community growth. You know, I think a, a huge shining light in the space is Dave Gerhardt over, you know, he was a drift for a while and he just started his, or I guess he had his community, but now he's doing it full time. And uh, I, I look forward to things like that because, you know, that, that influence has a massive impact on the results, right? And to me, it's all about helping out the consumer, helping out the user, solving problems. You know, that list goes on and on and on. But I think the more, marketing gets great. I think the the better it's going to be to be a consumer, the, the better it's going to be, the more fun it's going to be to go out and learn about what, you know, what tech is out there to solve my problem or, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, XYZ product. How do I find that? Right. So the mediums, I think that we're going to all use if those marketers are a part of these communities. And again, I'm not, I'm not pushing for people to join. I mean, I'd recommend it, but I'm not going <laughs> to sell it on here. But again, those communities, I'm hoping that we continue to develop them and ramp them up maybe outside of LinkedIn a little bit. So it's a lot more focused, 
but then that also opens up more opportunities going back to how we visualize things, right? We could have um, discussion forums turn into things like this, right? Where we're just talking. Um, it doesn't have to be recorded, but if you can get ears with someone who's in a completely different vertical than you and you're in the, in the platform, you're on the same time. It's like, Hey, like, would you be open to for a quick chat? I'd love to hear. I saw your campaign on XYZ. Let's talk about that because I thought it was awesome. Um, and, and that's really what I hope to see from the marketers, because again, we build communities for consumers and we build them for the users in our market. Um, but we're just now starting to see that we're building communities for the marketers ourselves. And I hope that that continues to grow because again, the better we can all be as communicators and as marketers and, and making it the best experience possible. I just think it's going to be so profound from the receiver side, the user side and the consumer side. So that's really what I hope to look and see kind of peeking through that crystal ball into the future is that we all kind of, you know, not, not rally together and say, Hey, we're all best friends, but let's maximize what we can with our marketing efforts to make our marketplace as happy and as, as successful as we can. Yeah. I feel like there's two ways that the pandemic strengthened the marketing community online, certainly on LinkedIn. One is the loss of in-person events. I think if you had your one or two or three events that you went to every year, you probably saw the same people who were loyal attendees of that event. And when those events disappear in person, where are y'all going to go to get together? LinkedIn's right there and you're, you're already there, right? So it kind of took the fragmented communities in a way and it brought them together. And then the other thing I think the pandemic did is like we were saying earlier, a challenge that nobody had ever faced before. So you've got all these people together on one platform. What are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about how they're trying to get through this. And like, boom, it was, you know, obviously the algorithms help. They put all those people together. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think there's definitely an explosion in, yeah, some of the voices were there before. But the level of engagement, I think, went up because people were just like, well, I can't go to Orlando or wherever I usually go for the show. But those people are here and I'm here and I got nowhere else to go. So, <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting on my couch just, you know, hoping for some good weather so I can step outside. But if not, you know, we're stuck. So uh, I totally agree. What is your favorite tool? This is the question we ask everybody on B2B Nation. We just ask that they don't say their phone unless they're citing a specific app. But we talked a lot about analytics. We mentioned a few applications. What's the one you can't work without? Can I say a developer? <laughs> Does that be sure. Something that I love. I'm a huge fan of, of having a developer on, on a marketing team. And, and I think it just opens up tremendous opportunities. Um, again, I... I think the more you can invest in the doer themselves instead of the kind of tech stack, at least right off the bat, uh, that's where the strategy hits. And that's when you can start to figure out, hey, what exactly do I need to fill this hole? Um, but in order to understand that, you first have to understand what the hole is that you're trying to fill. And I think when you bring in someone, you know, because I, I, I give all the praise to developers, I would never be able to do what they did, even if I spent 25 years trying to just study it. Um, it, it's amazing to me what they can do on, on the screen and, and further. So I think for me, that would be my favorite. Again, I hate to say it's a tool, but more so kind of resource as, as a marketing team, you know, leaning on a developer. I would highly recommend that all folks um, who are marketing leaders and people who are looking to be marketing leaders or starting a marketing team, 
hire on a, a developer who knows their chops, who's comfortable with APIs and integrations, because you know everyone loves to say they've got an integration into HubSpot or Salesforce, and then you do it and you're like, yeah, no, I, that's not that's not right. Like <laughs> that's not what I was expecting. That's uh, not what integration means. <laughs> exactly, and I think it, it's in, and that's a problem in itself. But I think the solution is having that developer to build that proprietary integration that does exactly what you want it to do versus, Hey, here's the blanket solution for the marketplace of marketers. Here's what we think y'all need. It just opens up so many doors. Right. And I think once you start to understand what they can do for your marketing, I mean, light bulbs just go off left and right. Yeah. There are a few, fewer things that accentuate the difference between left brain and right brain people than when a, marketer or a content person sits down with a software developer it is <laughs> glaringly obvious that, that you is are an from amazing statement <laughs> <laughs> eric dates his developers are not tools they are resources and you guys can't see this but eric's got a great hat on thanks for joining us on b2b nation awesome mike thanks so much thanks again to eric dates for joining us on b2b nation Thanks also to the technology advice team, Amy Dunn, Sarah Sanders, KJ Pace, Caroline Wishar, and Emily Whalen. If you geek out on B2B marketing, become a citizen of B2B Nation by subscribing on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks to Mnemonics and the Guild for composing our rockin' theme song. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.